Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> you can be seated. Uh, I learned a long time ago the way to make good friends at church is let them sit down. <sighs> yeah, people like to sit down while they're at church. Just don't stay there too long or you may mess up your circulation. <clears throat> Stand every few minutes is a good thing. Good to be in this Northwest Apostolic Conference, and uh, uh, I count it such a great honor and a great privilege uh, to be here uh, in this incredible church. What an incredible church, incredible group of people, and uh, thank you so much for all of the hospitality uh, that has been shown to me since I've been here. And uh, uh, thank you, brother and sister Parker. I, I thought as I was uh, getting ready for today, uh, what an awesome thing it was <clears throat> the day that brother and sister Parker rode into LaGrande, Oregon. And uh, uh, it's very obvious uh, it was the right thing for LeGrand, and not only just LeGrand, it has affected many parts of the world. <clears throat> what an incredible chemistry that came together when the people here and the leadership and the presence of God and the Holy Ghost operating. And uh, uh, we're seeing the results of that uh, here today. Brother Parker is not just a, a, a preacher, but he is a preacher to preachers and a preacher among preachers. And uh, we've had him a number of times uh, in Tulsa. Thank you, uh, LeGrand Church, for loaning him to the kingdom of God. And uh, he's been a blessing and I've heard him preach uh, a number of times, and I have been so blessed and affected every time I've ever heard Brother Parker preach. And uh, we love Brother Parker, and uh, I'm not a hunter and I'm not a fisherman. I was not designed for that kind of life. For those of you on Holy Ghost Radio, you can't imagine what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if I had to go hunting or fishing, I'd like to go with him. And uh, because he's knowledgeable of that. And, and uh, I trust him. Uh, he trusted me with his pulpit, so I would trust him to take me hunting. And we may do that one day. Uh, long ways off. But <clears throat> Sister Parker is is what an incredible first lady of this church. I don't even know how to start talking about her. She's just such an awesome, awesome lady. Uh, a prayer warrior, uh, extraordinary. And uh, uh, she is my wife's very dear friend. And uh, my wife would like to be here with you today, but because of some circumstances, she's not able. And uh, James, you just look so right sitting there. 
so good to see James. And uh, these uh, uh, are great, great people. And I don't even know how to talk enough about the Parker family. Uh, people all over Pentecost. And uh, now this doesn't go against my preaching time, okay? This is called preliminary remarks. This is not my message, okay? And I'm going to take my time <laughs> with the preliminary remarks. This is not a prepaid political speech. This is coming from my heart. And, uh, but I will accept offerings for it. Uh, anybody that's ever visited the Parker's home has incredible, great stories to tell about it. And they always want to keep coming back. So the Parkers just treat you so many ways you're going to like some of them. And so uh, they're just awesome people, the accommodations. I got to my room, and there was a wonderful basket and uh I go to churches sometimes, and they give me baskets that is built by people that are on diets. <clears throat> God bless whoever built that basket. It was right. <sighs> if you're on Weight Watchers counting points, you better get the calculator out. I'm not counting points. I'm counting plates. I figured that was a better way to do it. Thank you for all of the hospitality and uh uh, it's a it's a great uh, effort uh, of this church to sponsor and these local men that help sponsor this meeting, the local pastors. God bless you so much for your burden. It's a lot of work to put on a meeting like this, and uh, God bless you. And God is going to bless you for it because this is part of the business and the kingdom of God. Uh, I read Brother Parker called me some times ago and. Uh, asked me if I would do this, and um, the reason preachers commit to stuff like this way out in advance is because you think maybe the rapture will take place, maybe I'll die, and I won't really have to do it. But I feel like Job, the thing that I have feared the worst has come upon me. Here I am. And uh, I've had a lot of support this morning at the house. A lot of support from the brothering, the special speakers last night. Thank you all for supporting me so much. And uh, uh, I, uh, I was getting a lot of harassment, but uh, I'm going to dish it back out today when I get done with this. <clears throat> what an incredible Bible sermon we heard last night. Brother Mark Copeland. Uh, so much was being said last night. And I'm not sure that my processor was able to process it as fast as I was receiving the information. But a powerful uh, revelation message was preached to me last night. Thank you for the message. Brother Tim Copeland's going to preach tonight. Uh, I feel like, John, there is one coming after me that is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not able to unlatch because I can't bend down that far. <clears throat> Brother Copeland is my mentor, and Brother Copeland is responsible for introducing me to Brother Parker, 
and many, many other preachers. And I love Brother Copeland. Uh, I met him when I was about 16 years old, and uh, he has been my dear, dear friend. And Brother Cody Marks, uh, he's, uh, he lives in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, uh, I guess uh, the last few times I've seen him, it's been out of town at meetings. We've met at the airport in the morning times a few times. And uh, he flies early, and I fly mid-afternoon if at all possible. If I'm on an early flight, somebody else booked it, or that was the only choice I had. But uh, it's good to see Brother Marks. Brother Parker is going to preach tomorrow. Really, it's a good thing I'm this early on the menu, so they got plenty of time to fix everything I mess up. I love these men. Brother Kurt Walter uh, come by and preached at First Apostolic of Tulsa a few weeks ago. What a tremendous uh, move of God we had. And uh, Brother Kurt Walter is, is definitely a man of God, used of God with a burden. And uh, when you hear him talk and preach, you feel something oozing and coming out of him that makes you want to do better. And I had a powerful move of God, Brother Steve Buxton, my good friend. And uh, I, I got so many stories that we're not going to tell. But I love Brother Buxton, and uh, it's just good to see everybody. God bless you for being here. I feel the Lord has dealt with my heart. Brother Hoffer, Jeff Hoffer, uh, 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 Holy Ghost Radio, what a tremendous uh, ministry he is doing for the kingdom of God. And I love Brother Hoffer, love what he's doing. But I feel like the Lord has gave me something, and uh, I kind of feel like, uh, I kind of feel like, uh, the chicken and the rooster was having a conversation one day. And the old uh, hen told the rooster, said, I think I'm going to just walk out on that freeway out there and lay an egg. And the old rooster said, I'm going to give you some good counsel and some good advice. He said, if you do, get right out there and lay it on the line and do it quickly. And that's how I feel today. I'm going to lay it on the line and I'm going to do it quickly. Does that sound good? Praise God. <clears throat> Let's stand for the reading of the word. Heard a preacher say one time, there's uh, no such thing as a bad 20-minute sermon. The problem is with that, I've had very few of them that I could judge. Most of them last longer than that. I want to take your attention to the Word of God today, the book of Psalms, chapter number 23, and verse number 1. And I know that I have not chosen uh, a hidden text today. But this is what I feel. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody say, my shepherd. Boy, what an incredible statement right there. When we talk about who is our shepherd. I shall not want. He 
maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He, my shepherd, leadeth me beside still waters. He, my shepherd, restoreth my soul. He, my shepherd, leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy, my shepherd, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For the reference sake, if you would like to title my Bible message to you today, I'm just going to preach about the valley. And you may be seated. I'd also like to say it's good to see Brother and Sister Spell, longtime friends, Brother Spell and uh, his boys sing at mine and my wife's wedding almost 29 years ago. Tony was uh, just a little bitty fella and uh, maybe 12 years old, but he had a voice that could reach so high. And he was a good singer back then, and now he's a good singer and a good preacher. But good to see the spells. Love them very much. I, I know that what the Lord has put in my spirit is, is not anything new because I watched most of you as I begin to read my text were quoting the 23rd Psalm. It's been quoted probably more than any verse in the Bible, any, any chapter in the Bible. There's probably more people that can quote the 23rd Psalm than any other chapter in the Bible. It has been used and for so many different uh, occasions. There's just so much to talk about the 23rd Psalm. I'm taking my text this evening for, or this, this morning from uh, the fourth verse. 
For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Somewhere along the journey of life, all of us are going to pass through the valley. If you haven't ever been in a valley, which I would probably say that most of us have, but if you've never been through one, get ready. The journey is going to make a turn somewhere. And you'll come off of the mountain. And you're going to go through some places. I heard Brother Parker mention it hasn't always been like this at LaGrand Church. But it's up to us what really happens to us while in the valley. Don't let the valley take away your anointing and your joy. The valley has different stages. It's how we react to the valley that is important. Valleys can sometimes be used as a refiner's fire to burn out impurities in you. Valleys that you travel through during life are not designed to make you a mean, bitter person, but they are designed to make you better and loving and kind. Life and its valleys will present so many questions in our minds. We have to understand valleys. There's a lot to talk about in valleys because sometimes in a valley and sometimes in a dark, lonely place, there is miraculous deliverance that takes place. But then sometimes in a lonely, wretched valley, there's only a comforting spirit that is present. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me and it's your rod and staff that will comfort me. I looked up the definition of the word valley sometimes ago and I found out that it was just simply a depression between uplands. It's a depression, a low place between two high places. It is 
a low place, if you please, between two mountains. But you can't live on the mountain all the time. You've got to travel sometimes, and you have to come down off of the mountain. I thought as I read the word depression, how fitting that is when we talk about valleys, because depression goes with being in a valley. There's a lot of emotions in valleys. There's the shadow of death. There's a place of danger. There's a place of loneliness. I thought about the content of a valley. What a valley is made of. I, there's all kind of valleys. We're kind of, I guess, kind of in a valley here where we're at right here. There's mountains all around and sometimes in a valley there's beautiful green grass. Sometimes in a valley there's a lake that is well stocked. Sometimes valleys can even have relaxing places in it. But not all valleys are like that. When David talked about the valley of the shadow of death, he talked about a valley that was surrounded by high mountains, high rocks all around. And there was just one little narrow, narrow passageway that if you got too far to one side, you risk danger of falling off. There's a lot to talk about valleys that are complicated in our life. There's brush, there's thorns, there's rocks, there's stones. The terrain in the valley is a place where Things are not level. It's a place where things are not normal. Sometimes in the valley of the shadow of death, everything becomes strange. Everything is foreign. The conditions are unexpected and unusual, startling. This is not what I was created to be. I prayed through, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be on a mountain experience. That was the sales pitch I received. Get the Holy Ghost, God's going to be with you. But now I find myself in a different place. Yet at the same time, even though I'm in a place where everything is uneven, I don't feel comfortable about any of my surroundings. They're startling sounds. There are things that exist that torment my mind. 
I'm hearing strange sounds, the howling winds. But then I hear the rustling of something up in the darkness. And I realize that there is wild beasts. There's bears. There's lions. There's bobcats, wolves, hyenas, snakes, and all kinds of varmints that are there that identify danger to me. The valley. The valley is a place of fear. It's a place where humanity is frightened to exist. The valley of the shadow of death. That is a place of danger. It's a place of darkness. It's a place where human emotions are real. And sometimes my shepherd will meet me in that valley and he will deliver. But then sometimes he doesn't take me out. He just comforts me. The valley. The valley. Valleys have the valleys of life have a way of bitterness surrounding you. The bitterness of the valley. In the valley, there's all kinds of questions that comes to your mind. What is the reason for this valley? How come I'm in this valley at this time of my life? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sometimes we start wondering, if God is really my shepherd, what am I doing in this valley? I seen something a few days ago as I began to read through this. The Bible says in verse 2 that he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He gives me a nice place to lay down. And he says, lay down here. He maketh me to lie down. He leadeth me to still waters. He is my restorer of my soul. He has led me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is places that God leads us. This is what God wants for you. But sometimes in our humanity, because sometimes being led by God can have quiet times, I wish I could tell you that every day of my life God speaks to me, but he does not. Sometimes he leads me to a place and says, just wait. If he made you lie down in a green pasture, don't get up and run off because of your curiosity. 
If he has brought you, and I could deal with each of these things, and I'm going to try not to, but if he has brought you to still waters, not not troubled waters, not stormy waters, not running waters, but he brought you to still waters, just stand there and drink the still water until he leads you somewhere else. Where we get in trouble, David David was telling us something. He talks about all of the things that his shepherd is doing for him. His shepherd led him to green pastures. His shepherd led him to steal waters. His shepherd, his shepherd has been the restorer of his soul. His shepherd has is take, is taken excellent care of him. But the language changes in verse number four. He said, yea, though I. Everybody say I. I. Point at yourself, say I. I. Sometimes, 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 sometimes I is not satisfied to stay where he brought me to. Some of us are in valleys today, not because God led us to. Quit blaming the valley you're in on God. I've went through some valleys in my life that, that God did not lead me to them valleys. I got up and walked to them valleys. <laughs> Let me tell you something. If God leads you to a lush green valley and there is danger, impending danger, don't you ever worry about it. There's fixed to be a miraculous deliverance. Read the story about Daniel in a lion's den. He got in trouble and got sent to a lion's den because he was praying. But when he got there, there was a miraculous deliverance that was about to take place. Oh, Lord, it's the wandering. It's the wandering sheep that gets in trouble. It's the stray sheep that gets in trouble. Sometimes you've just got to stand still and stay wherever God has put you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. David said, I got up. And I left the places where God had led me. I got up and I walked away from the steel places and the, and the, and the good places that God had brought me to. I got up and left them. I got up and walked away from them. And when I did, I found myself wandering in the valley of the shadow of death. I could have stayed by still waters. I could have stayed where God put me. But I wandered around until I was in a valley. I wandered around until I found myself in trouble. And I'm asking myself questions. What is the reason for this valley? Let me tell you something. You ought to get in the mirror and look at yourself. And identify the reason that you're in the place that you're in. So then we start dealing with bitterness. We start dealing with the bitterness of the valley and, and the reason for this valley. Why has this valley hit me at this time in, in, in my life? Why can't my life just be normal like everybody else? Why am I in this valley? Who brought me into this valley? And then we start the blame game. And then it's somebody else's fault. That we're in the valley. Who caused this to happen to me? Who's responsible for this? Why, why am I having to deal with all of this? And in that valley, in that valley, we find ourselves fighting, 
fighting spirits and 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 and, and fighting hell and 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 we're trying to keep from uh, getting bitter and 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 somewhere in the middle of this valley that that there's all kind of danger and the warring in your mind and you stop and for a moment there's that presence. I'm in the valley, but I just felt a presence. That's my shepherd that I'm feeling. I wandered out and I wandered away from the still waters and I, 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 I wonder, that's that mercy right there. That's that grace right there. And that mercy goes with you even though you should not be in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet his presence is there. I run to the highest mountain and he was there. And I went to the lowest valley and he was there. That's that omnipresent God. He's everywhere. And I got in the middle of this valley and I'm dealing with all of this bitterness. The bitterness of the valley. What is left for my future? What about my name? What about my reputation? What is my destination beyond this valley? What kind of mental scars is this valley going to leave on me and my family? The valley. But while in the valley of the shadow of death, shepherds had two instruments at that time. There was a thing called a rod. Some commentaries describe it as a stick, a club, light stick, kind of heavy on one end, small, easy to grip on the other. Most of these were three, four feet long, and they even wore a belt that had a loop that they kept their rod in. Somebody even determined that in the early gangster days, they called packing a pistol a rod. And that that was acquired, that phrase was acquired from the 23rd Psalm. He said, thy rod. And then there was the shepherd's staff, which was anywhere from five to eight foot long. At one end of it, it kind of had a hook. And this was the staff that was used as uh, comfort. The rod was used for protection. The staff is used for comfort and convenience. If the sheep wandered off and maybe fell down in the ravine, the, the shepherd would take the hook end of the stick and the staff and he would pull the sheep out to safety. But there's two things happening in the valley. He said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but thou art with me. That presence is there. But beyond the presence, the comforter was there. <laughs> the presence of God is on the outside of my body. And being able to identify his presence is up to my mental state of mind, identifying him. 
But when we talk about the comforter, that's the Holy Ghost. And that's on the inside. And I may be going through the worst trial of my life. And I may be fighting all of the emotions of the, of the valley. I may be fighting all of the hell in my mind and, and everything that I'm dealing with for that day and, and it's warring against me and, and all of a sudden uh, in the time when the bitterness, uh, who done this to me? Who caused this? Who put me in this place? Who's run their mouth? Who's talked about me? And I'm going through that low place. There's the comforter. And in the valley of the shadow of death, there is, there is a sweetness in the bitter valley. The more bitter that the valley is, and the more complicated that the valley is. And, and the more loneliness that I feel. All of a sudden, there's that sweet presence. And then there's something on the inside that connects. Because it's all one. His presence, his spirit, it's all one. And all of a sudden... I feel that comforting of the staff. I, I, I wish I had a shepherd's staff right now. But all of a sudden, when I'm about to fall, I lean on that comforter, the Holy Ghost. And when it all seems bad and it all seems down and, and it seems complicated and difficult, all of a sudden I'm leaning on the comforter. You thought I was going to fall in the middle of the valley. You thought I was going to die. You thought it was going to all be over. Look at there what the Lord has provided. Thank you, Brother Parker, being used of the Lord. And so here he is. I'm in this very difficult place. And it's a little bitty squeezing place. It's a narrow place. There's rocks on both sides. And, 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 and there's the shadow of danger all around. And I could be lost at this point. But all of a sudden, I, I lean on that comforter. It was the Holy Ghost that kept me in that time, in that trouble. I, 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 the fragrance of the, of the shepherd is here. The presence of the Lord. And even though, even though it's something that is happening all around me that could cause me to lose out, all of a sudden I'm leaning on him. Don't leave me now, God. I can survive this right now. Just stay with me. David knew the importance in the worst day of my life, in the worst moment of my life. I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your spirit. Let's go to Psalms 51. 
Verse 10, 51 and 10. Create in me, create in me a clean heart and renew within me, uh, renew a right spirit within me. David, you, you, you preachers know what I'm preaching about. This is, this is, this is when the prophet Nathan has confronted David and, 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 and told him, uh, about the traveler and the rich man and, 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 and David is now faced with his sin with Bathsheba and, and Uriah the Hittite and, and he's having to deal with this. And now he's praying. He said, create within me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. But then he said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. You know what David was having? He was having flashbacks of Saul. And he was having flashbacks of a man that was in trouble. But all of a sudden, God, took his spirit away from him and he said whatever happens don't take that spirit from me I can deal with the valley of the shadow of death I can deal with the hell that I'm going through I can deal with everything that's wrong in life as long as I got your spirit as long as I've got you on the inside Here I am. I'm in the worst day of my life. Here I am. They're lying on me. Here I am. They're gossiping on me. Here I am. It looks like I'm losing everything. Here I am. I didn't ask for this. Somebody done it to me. And here I am. What am I going to do with this trial? What am I going to do with this valley? What am I going to do with what's happened to me? Don't let bitterness get a hold of you. We've all had things happen in life that can make us bitter. But when bitterness comes, handle it and lean on the Spirit of the Lord. Some things you just got to turn over to God. I'm not preaching today about something I don't know about. I had a situation happen to me. And I was in the lowest place of my life. I have learned the importance of having that staff to lean on. I got a certain place at the church that I pray Every day we have noonday prayer meetings. They were praying today at noon. And if I'm in town, that's where you'll find me on noon, at noon time. 
That's my place. I had somebody done me wrong. I went and visited with three different attorneys. Every one of them told me the same story. Said, you got a case. You'll win it. You'll get money out of it. I battled back and forth what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. And all of a sudden, I was riding in a car with a couple preachers one day, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. I was out of town. I came back home, and I went to my prayer place. And I prayed and I prayed until something broke in my spirit. A couple days later, something happened. And there it was again. I called the attorney, canceled everything. But a few days later, something happened. And there it, it rose up again. I went back and I prayed. And I prayed and I prayed. And I cried. I poured my heart out to God. Come back again. I went on a fast. You can look at me and tell I like to eat. It's a big deal when I fast. After about five days without eating, I felt something break in my spirit. I didn't care if it took 40 days. I had to get that out of me because I was walking through the valley. And I could either become a better person or a bitter person. I'm talking to some folks tonight. You know, David said it like this. He said it would have been fine if it would have been my enemy. But it was was that one that I went and took sweet counsel with. Sometimes you just got to go to that place where it's sweet counsel. And you got to lay all of your feet. You you just got to lean on the Lord. It it don't make common sense. But it's what's right. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the trial of my life, I felt that sweetness come in. The valley. I made up my mind I didn't want to live in a valley. <laughs> There's only one way out of the valley. You got to climb your way out. You got to pray your way out. You got to start working on that brain of yours. You can't sit around and think about how bad you've been done and how wrong they are and how right you are. Get that out of your spirit. Pray, pray your way through that. Get rid of that. We gotta, we gotta come out of this valley. We gotta, we gotta work our way out of it. It's, it's, it's work. When you're in a valley, it's uphill from there. You gotta start climbing. You've gotta start working. You've gotta start putting forth effort. I'm coming out of this. I remember a number of years ago, I had a visiting preacher come to town and he asked me about a pastor that pastored 
several cities away from me. And uh, he had heard that he had had some troubles. He said, let's go visit with him. I said, sure, let's do it. And uh, so we uh, got in the car and drove to where he was at. And uh, we went and visited with this man. And this guest that was with me didn't know the story quite as well as I did. And, and he asked about a certain subject. I was sitting there looking at an elderly preacher up in years when this man mentioned something that had happened years prior. I watched that sick man shoot up off of that sofa where he was laying. And he got up. And he was not stable. But he come walking toward us. I didn't know what was about to happen. And there was bitterness that was raging on the inside of him. Things had happened that that didn't go right in latter years and, and all of a sudden revelation he never conquered that bitterness and he died bitter whoever it is you better forgive him because your prayers are being hindered if you can't forgive those that have wronged you. You've got to get rid of that. You can't let it dominate you. You've got to get rid of it. I'm closing. Let's stand. The bitterness. For you see, if you can conquer the bitterness on the other side of the valley thou hast preparest a table and here I am I'm climbing out I'm beat up I'm nasty, I'm sweaty, I'm grimy, I'm not desirable to look on. Because the valley has been brutal to me. But when I came out, I still had my staff. They don't understand it. But somewhere back down the road, in the worst part of this valley I laid in on the altar and here I come for on the other side of the worst trial of my life when I get there and I finally come up out of that valley and here I am it's been long and it's been hard and it's been brutal and nobody understood it nobody knew what all I've been through but here I am 
when I get up here. I can't even believe what I'm looking at. There's a big old table. And it's prepared just like I like it. And I got a place set there. And I get to sit down at that table. But I don't even understand it. Because the one that thought I was going to lose out is sitting there looking. They can't even believe their eyes. But you look at me, honey. I still got the staff. I still got the comforter. I've been through hell and back. But I held on to it. There was times I felt like throwing it down. But I held on. Because I knew this was all that was going to help me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It may be my worst trial, but I still got it. I still held on to it. It was still there. Through every dark hour, it was there. Through every trial, it was there. There's a song that is written and it says, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. I'm not a singer, Brother Spell. I'm not going to make a YouTube of me singing and let people look at it and laugh. That's what you'd do if I'd start singing. I might short YouTube out. There was a woman by the name of Louisa Stead. She was in her mid-30s. She had a little girl that was about 10 years old. And the day came that her and her sweet husband was going out for picnic lunch. They'd went down to the riverside. They were enjoying the picnic. And all of a sudden they heard a cry, a desperate scream for help. And Louisa's husband jumped up and took off running to the water. When he got there, he seen a little boy drowning. He dove in to save the life of this child. The current was so strong and bitter that instead of him being the hero, he became a victim of a raging river and sucked her husband under the water. Died that day drowned. From that point, Louisa and her little girl became homeless, just going to places where there was enough food for one day and she would pray some more and something else would open up. Somebody would bring 
a loaf of bread, a cake. And every day she prayed, provide for me, Lord. And one day she wrote a poem. And it says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, and to know, thus saith the Lord. And the little chorus goes, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Here I am in the valley. Death's shadow is looming over. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. You know why I'm trusting him? He's just proved himself over and over and over again. I don't know where you're at today. But whatever you're going through. Whatever the trial. Whatever the valley. There's only one thing that I can tell you that will help sustain you. And that is the comforting power of the Holy Ghost. That's what you've got to hold on to is the Holy Ghost. There's no magical portions and there's no magical words. It's just trusting in Him day in and day out. And, and whether He chooses this to be a miraculous deliverance and, that I can testify or whether He just comforts me, that's all right. Just don't take your presence away from me. Don't don't let that spirit depart. I can go through anything as long as I've got you. Let's just all come around the front today in closing. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus. To trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to Pray with somebody if it's convenient right now. They may need to feel your arm on them, their your hands. They may need to hear your voice. I'm standing with you. You're not in this by yourself. You're not in this alone. Come on, you trust in Jesus. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to let this crowd 
going to be weary in my well-doing. For a new season, I'm going to reap. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Just keep on praying. Just keep on praying. Just keep on praying through again and again and again and again. Don't worry about it. Give it to him. I don't know why they're getting away with it. Don't worry about it. It's your relationship with God is what matters. Let's pray one for another right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, I feel like I'm preaching to somebody. You came here today and hell's been all against you. You have fought the enemy. And the devil is laughed in your ears. And said you're not going to survive it this time. But I've come to preach to you. The omnipresent God is in this house. And the Spirit of the Holy Ghost is alive and at work on the inside. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. You know what's best. You know what's best.